Welcome to episode 233 of the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Today, we're here to discuss all the action from the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix qualifying. My name is Ruby Price, and joining me, we have Tom Downey from Everything F1. Hello. Sports writer, Owain Medford. Hello. And Jawa Jakub from Hit the Apex podcast. Hi, everyone. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five minutes to leave a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 69% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. They say rain is the great equaliser in Formula One, and on a rain-affected Saturday... Charles Leclerc took his ninth pole of the pole position ahead of Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton as Max Verstappen was told by his own team to box and resulting in a P8. But will it stop him from winning tomorrow, Tom? Uh, I think it will stop Max from winning tomorrow because it's one thing to win from seventh or eighth or wherever he was in Monza and P15, 14, something in Belgium. It's one thing to win on those circuits. It's an, it's another thing to win something like that in Singapore, which is basically the I was going to say the Middle East and Monaco. It's not quite. It's you know, so it's obviously further east. Um, I suppose that title would go to Jeddah. Um, but but you, you know, it, it, it is effectively like like a sort of modern day Monaco, if, if you can call it that. You know, it's it's what twenty three turns. It's the longest. It's the it's the longest race. Uh, sorry, it's the longest lap in terms of. Time, I believe, because Spa's the longest in terms of distance. I please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, I'm trying to reel that off the top of my head. Um, I mean, P8. I looking at what happened with Red Bull today. You, you know, uh, I'll go into why he boxed at the end if you want me to, or just, or you know, or I'm happy to leave it. Um, P8 is better than a disqualification in the back of the grid because. This circuit is hard to overtake on. Um, and although, think about it, he's involved in the PK family and they've got history here for manufacturing results and never say never. And crashing out of that um, analysis, Tom Downey. Owen Medford, um, Charles Leclerc, we've gone for an unusual um, ordering of discussing the results. But anyway, Charles Leclerc, um, with his ninth pole position for Ferrari this season. I think that now means that he's overtaken Michael Schumacher for the record within the season. Um, how did he end up taking pole today? Uh, by the skin of his teeth, uh, if you look at the times, it's not by much. Um, but then again, it was always going to be that way with uh, with how the circuit was evolving. Uh, and it was kind of going to be sort of last driver across the line. Um, although, as I say that, uh, Charles Leclerc wasn't last driver across the line. And, um, you know, he just managed to pull out just enough of the stops. I don't know whether maybe the, t- the track sort of regressed a little bit. I can't think so. Um, but mate, it just slowed down. And it seemed like if you were going through about two thirds of the way through that session, that's when the fastest lap times were put through. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, to be fair, it's a really good lap and it's obviously, it suits the Ferrari. So, um, you know, you'd be disappointed not to be getting good results there. And hopefully, hopefully they can convert this because I, I think, you know, I think the difference between Charles Leclerc, the, the Ferrari of now, and the Ferrari of the old is that Michael Schumacher might have got no, nine pole positions in a in a season, but the Ferrari there, um, the team, it as it were, um, were were more competent at being able to complete things. Then again, uh, I think with Singapore, it's 
it should, in theory, be harder for them to mess this up. Um, but I, I, I'm personally at the position where I don't think this is where, where uh, I think the only thing more, you know, with more potential than that car is uh, Ferrari's uh, Ferrari's potential to to mess up a strategy and somehow end up in I know 14th place. Well, it was Singapore in 2019 where Ferrari screwed up Charles Leclerc in favour of Sebastian Vettel. So you never know. And the last time we had a wet start at Singapore, two Ferraris didn't really make it past the first sector. Um, And there is talk of thunderstorms in Marina Bay between now and the race tomorrow. But Joad, um, in Q1, Sergio Perez, Red Bull thought he had abandoned his lap. In Q3, it was actually his teammate who ended up abandoning two laps. Um, but Sergio Perez in P2, um, not bad for someone who a lot of people have written off this season. Exactly. Like If you hear what's been going on in recent times, they've written off Perez for the rest of the year. They're like, oh, does he deserve to stay at the team, given how far he's fallen behind Verstappen and stuff? But um, he does quite well on these street tracks. As we saw earlier this year, he got his first ever pole in Saudi. Then he won the Monaco Grand Prix. And um, I reckon, yeah, he can be um, competitive again tomorrow, given that Ferrari, we know <laughs> Ferrari strategy, whatever they do, I'm sure they'll end up behind the Red Bull at some point. So he could be in a good, with, with a good chance um, as well tomorrow. Still think maybe, you know, he can get second in the Drivers' Championship, but um, it's a good little result for Perez to do that. But going back to what you were saying about 2017, whatever it was, a Red Bull on the front row of the grid that kind of messed things up for Ferrari. So maybe in those wet conditions, we might see a repeat of that. Maybe not. Maybe he might be the... um, the PK of 2008 if uh, Max is to win this one. So, you know, just just adding to what Tom said before, hard not to bring that up. But just while we're at it, great to be back in Singapore. It's been a while, a couple of years. So good to see a track on the in the Far East finally back on the Formula One calendar. Yeah, it has been a couple of years and Singapore has been a bit of a Marmite track for some people, but you can't deny that the car's under the spotlights at night just look phenomenal um you know that's one of the things that like is synonymous with singapore um but tom going on to your favorite driver in formula one history lewis hamilton p3 very much looked like he had a chance for pole today and ultimately being 0.05 off pole position yep um it did look very much like he was going to end up setting that purple time yeah, it sort of came out of nowhere a bit in in Q three, you know, because you know, because Mercedes were looking all right. I mean, George Russell went out in Q two, um, but um, but but Hamilton, I was, I, it was sort of like, you know, it was, it, it was a bit like, well, where on earth did that come from? Um, you know, because because uh, I saw, I think it was Sonoda went top on the inters, and I thought, oh, maybe inters are the way to go, and then Hamilton went two seconds quicker. And then he just kept on setting the purple sectors and purple laps on the rest of it. And then uh, I think you know people might look at it and go, "Oh, he's P three when he was P one for much of that of that session." Look at the delta between Leclerc, Perez, and Hamilton. There is nothing in it. 
you know, it's it's a it's a it, you know, it it really is splitting hairs to sort of like see the difference you know, between those three times. You know, they, you know, you know, Mac, Max looked like he was on pace for that, but it's irrelevant because he's not there. Um, effectively. Uh, and yeah, yeah, Hamilton, I, I really thought, so it, there was, there was sort of this 10 minute window where, where I thought maybe he really is going to take pole. And it was, it was almost like sort of flashbacks to Jed. I mean, uh, last year, no, I know obviously the circumstances are completely different, but it's like we're watching Hamilton and Verstappen sling it out under the lights on a street circuit in Asia for pole position. And it was just, it was like, you know, have I like time walk back 12 months or something? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it was, but it was, a, yeah, it was a, it was a really good quality for him. Um, and it was yesterday, last night I was watching the, um, I was watching highlights of Singapore from years gone by. And I was watching, or I watched the, the sort of like unedited pole position lap he did in 2018. And, this lap, a few of the laps he was doing in Q3 today were giving me vibes of that. And it's like, you know, you can like Hamilton, you can loathe him, but you cannot deny how good he is. When he and the car are sort of at one and when everything sort of just clicks and it's all in sync, he is still one of the best drivers this sport has ever seen. Um, and I bet you didn't think you'd hear me saying that. Um, and I, I, I know, yeah, just, yeah, quick, yes. Call an ambulance. Um, yeah, no, um, but yeah, you know, Hamilton just, it, it, those laps he was doing today in, in Q3 really looked like the sort of like Hamilton that we know um, and, and and the kind of laps he's pulled out the bag before. So I was, I, I was really impressed. Still don't like him though. Yeah, he, uh, very impressive from Lewis Hamilton today. Who knows? He's still chasing that first victory this season, which feels really wrong to say after, I think, 15 years of consecutive seasons of having at least one win and one pole. But, oh, wait, Carlos Sainz in P4, um, topped P- FP2, has l- looked really good pretty much all weekend. But unfortunately, today just wasn't there at the last minute. And ultimately p4 but p4 is not bad especially now that like they've adjusted singapore to be a bit more overtaking positive yeah um yeah carlos science had had that sort of like he had a real dip in performance he looked really dejected earlier in the season and to be fair he's not he's not a world away um you know it's not like there's it's not like there's a half a second between um between the, the you know the front three and him uh, and he's just the uh, and he's just the next one in the run in the list of runners. It's uh you know he's actually fairly close. He's only sort of a tenth and a bit uh, away from Hamilton. I think they're just the top three. They just did an amazing job. And um, I do worry a little bit that Carlos Sainz is being carried on the strength of Ferrari um, rather than just having the pace uh, outright in and of himself uh, in and of himself. But um, you know the numbers don't lie. And um, there was a certain, I, I think there was a certain, I kind of got the feeling he could have gone a bit faster, but um it's still not a bad place to start and uh you know it all it takes is a, a slightly fluff start by hamilton and, and a good start by him or something like that um i don't think there's much of an advantage left and right on the grid in singapore and he could be and he could be really battling with the leaders um you know e- either way no matter what happens really he's perfectly placed to cause issues for red bull um 
and to help and to help Charles Leclerc get the victory or, or get the victory himself, you know, they can act as a pincer there, and it's and it really is two on one. Um, so he's he's well placed, and it's and it's a decent lap. Pincer move from Ferrari on a Red Bull at Singapore again, twenty seventeen flashbacks. Um, Jawad, uh, Fernando Alonso was a driver who in Q three kept threatening to stay the top of the timetables. I'm not sure how. Um, you know, well, it, it's Fernando. He's got the experience. He's proved to be very good in the wet. But um, P5, do you think there was ever a chance of him being on that top? And do you think he can maintain it tomorrow? Because he's obviously ahead of the McLaren. Uh, if the stars align, then I'm sure he would have been top three. But, you know, being realistic and everything, that car is no better than uh, being like fourth quickest behind the other guys. So, yeah, fifth is is what he could have achieved. But again, anything can happen in the race and he's in a good position and he is as good as the Alpine can be at the moment. And what a performance. Like, I mean, given the fact that he wasn't... <laughs> retained by the team there's been all this news like we were talking about um off air how he yeah like he's committed to staying in f1 and he's still operating at such a high level he's driving so well you know bar having a car capable of winning races and championships or whatever yet you know alpine and their management or whatever seem to think that yeah he's he's too old and whatnot so I guess what he's really doing is just proving to them that, uh, yeah, you guys are wrong and, you know, good luck trying to find a new driver, which you still haven't done. So um, I'm going to go try and do something at Aston Martin, which is a different story. But, yeah, good result for Alonso. I reckon if it's a boring race and nothing happens, the worst he's going to do is fifth and get a top 10. But there is potential for him to move up if we do see some kind of chaos at the front, pincer movement or whatever. Uh, don't even rule out an Alonso podium, I reckon. Well, he has managed to do it since coming back um, in a race that I didn't watch. But Tom, uh, Lando Norris, McLaren very much need to finish ahead of Alpine here, don't they, in order to have any chance really of bringing that gap back down? Yeah, well, I mean, Lando's doing. Only- McLaren drive on the grid who's got an even remote chance of getting any anything meaningful for the team. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, McLaren, you know, they're just, they're just weird this year. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's up to Lando, but I just, he's, I think I said this before, but it's like he's fighting with one arm tied behind his back because his teammate's just like a, it's like dragging a kettlebell on a piece of fishing string behind you. You know, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, you just like dragging around this dead weight that's not doing what you want it to do. And yeah, I mean, there's only so much we can say about McLaren these days. And, you know, Lando, you know, he's doing a good job. You know, he, um, he only just made it out of Q1, mind, um, but he still got through. And, you know, the important thing is he was out of Q1, his teammate wasn't. Um, how many times have we said that in the last few seasons? Eight. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's just yeah, he'll he'll be hoping to keep a points finish in their sort of fight with Alpine. Um, Give an Ocon run out in Q one as well. I think that's perhaps leveled the playing field this week a bit, but I think that's also delaying the, the inevitable where um, uh, where um, 
Alpine will somewhat stretch their lead over McLaren, if you ask me. Yeah, it's it's it looks likely to happen. Um, but Owain Pierre Gasly was having gearbox sync issues. It sounded like or um, struggling to just stay on the track. But after um, leapfrogging Max Verstappen into P seven, uh, you can kind of understand why Red Bull are considering dropping Alpha Tauri from their brand, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um... All I'm going to say is uh, Max, Max Verstappen going to uh, obviously <laughs> Max Verstappen going to Alpine. Um, you know he's got the anger for it. Uh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like looking at the looking at the result he's actually got. Bearing in mind he's had issues with the car, mechanical issues with the car. We've seen George Russell have what seem like similar issues. Um, not maybe in obviously mechanical. Uh, sort of effect or anything but just um just how you know what what they were doing um and to how he had to drive the car um you know it's it's actually kind of remarkable that he's not only he's not only uh got it in seventh place which is 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 you know um sorry uh it's an achievement enough he's beaten his teammate um and you know and and a world champion uh, in uh, in Max Verstappen, I know obviously that Max Verstappen had uh, had uh, had issues as well, um, but the uh, but the stopwatch doesn't lie on that one. So I, th- I think to be honest, he's actually got, he's kind of shown a lot of quite a lot of people up who who maybe didn't have those issues. Yeah, certainly has. Um, and if the rumors are correct that he is going to Alpine for next season, um, they've certainly got a driver who is showing that he's still capable. So, Joad, to return to the reigning world champion, Max Verstappen, um, let's just talk a little bit about what on earth happened at the end of that session. Well, to summarise it with Max's reaction, WTF, and the fact that it's something that shouldn't happen, um, which is also something he was quoted to say, they ran out of fuel. And, you know, I know everyone likes to be marginal and everything is very much on the boundary in F1 and everything, but come on, like you're, you know, meant to be the best team on the um, grid. I would have put, you know, Ferrari in that sort of camp to do something silly like that, but uh, no, it had to be Red Bull. You know, they had to blemish themselves uh, this season in that manner. Um, Yeah, so they just basically underfueled the car uh, you know, and because it's such a long lap around here as well, and you're using much more fuel, you know, it doesn't help in that respect. And then given how his, you know, lap time wasn't as competitive in the first run down in P8, you can understand his frustration that he didn't have that opportunity to set that final f- um, flying lap and everything and to to be more representative towards the front of the grid with your um, Leclerc and Hamilton and Perez. So very much uh, frustrating if you're a Verstappen fan and, and if you max yourself. Um, all the footage afterwards of uh, Helmut Marco and, and Christian Horner having like a coronial inquiry, basically. Yeah, you know, it's something that when you're the best team on the grid, it's it's not something that should be happening. So I'm sure they'll debrief and figure out why it happened and everything. But at the same time, 
they're not Ferrari. They can actually afford to lose a couple of points here and there. It was a long shot anyway coming into this weekend that uh, he would actually wrap up the championship given the permutations. So, you know, it's Max. I'm sure he'll still finish in the points or even end up winning the race. Who knows? But um, they can afford to have made a mistake like that. But given how Max's reaction was so scathing afterwards, he's a driver that doesn't want to let up at all. He wants to be on top in every session, get as many points as he can. And um, yeah, you know, and that's, you can understand it from that perspective because yeah, it's a bit, 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 bit of amateur hour from Red Bull. Yeah. I saw um, Sky F1's Ted Kravitz basically saying that these things can happen. Like when you fuel for a session that's got interchangeable conditions and by interchangeable, I just mean, the track's going to get quicker. Um, like you, could, you never really know how much fuel you are going to use, and sometimes it's better to, you know, make the gamble of, you know, well, if we don't have that fuel sample, we're going to be starting last. Let's just bank P seven at the time, um, or whatever it was actually, um, and you know, deal with it tomorrow. But yeah, and like, sorry, just to add as well, like. Um, you can give credit to Red Bull for being uh, on, like, making the decision straight away to bring him in rather than keep him out because if he had completed another lap and, like, they called him into scrutineering, there could have been a possibility that he would have been penalised and sent to the back of the grid like we saw with Lewis Hamilton in Barcelona back in 2012 when um, Pastor Maldonado went on to win. So, you know, that's probably... Good that they avoided that, but still embarrassing overall that this situation did come to pass. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a driver who wasn't putting in an embarrassing performance, Tom Downey, uh, Kevin Magnussen did a really good job, I would say, to get his Haas into P9. Yeah, I was worried about Haas because I looked towards the end of Q1 and they were both languishing down in 19th and 20th. Um, but yeah, I mean, K-Mag, obviously, still technically the lap record holder here at Singapore. Um, yeah, that was a good lap from him, actually. And he had a he had a pretty sort of decent, he had a pretty decent quality all in all. I did see something on the FI website that he was, uh, I'll have a quick look, but there, there was something where he was, um, uh, uh, he was, uh, he was alleged of, of, an, of an unsafe release, but nothing, nothing came of it. Um, oh, no, that was Mick. That wasn't even K-Mag. Never mind. Uh, wrong driver. Lol. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, he, he, he went deep in... Was it turn... Um, I, think, I think it was turn 13. I, I, I think it was. I, I can't remember. But he, 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 went, he went deep a few times. But um, but as, as, aside from that, he... he he had put in those qualities where it's like it was solid but unspectacular. And I think it's just what has need at the moment. I said this a lot about Yuki Tsunoda last year, where it's almost good that you haven't heard that much about them. And you look at them and you've gone, oh, Bayeki's up in P9 in Q3. And, you know, on a track where quality means a lot, you know, perhaps not quite as much as Monaco. Um, it's a, it's, it's a good result for, for K-Mag ahead of tomorrow, and I really do want to see him get some points. Uh, you know, even if it's just a point, 
I just want to see him get eight points. Just get his foot, just you know, just sort of just back in the door, so to speak. Because Haas have arguably been the team this year where they've promised so much and delivered so little because of how much they look to have improved of based um uh you know, you know, you know uh, based on their performance last year. Yeah, you because know, Williams were knew were going to be terrible anyway. But um, but you but you know, Haas had a, had a great start to the season, so it's a little bit disappointing that we're saying, oh, K Mag's back in Q three because you'd like to see him there or on the cusp pretty much every um every session. But hey ho, it's just you know it's just just good to see him there, and I hope he can hang on to it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Wayne. One of the two drivers who went out on the Inters in Q3 was uh, Yuki Tsunoda. And ultimately, it, you would argue it took them too long to accept that was the wrong decision. As much as obviously, you know, we've mentioned he did jump to the top of the timing screens. But then when, you know, Lewis Hamilton sets a lap two seconds faster than you and you still take a couple of more minutes to, well, to um, change your mind about what tyres you're on you were only ever really destined for not having the peak performance at the end of the session, were you? Yeah, I think it was quite clear that the the tyres were just going to, were only warming up. I mean, from that point onwards, yeah, you you needed to be on them as soon as possible. Um, And, and they just wasn't, Um, you know, it's difficult to get the tyre warm up over, over, over sort of a small second of a lap and, and, and still, you know, pumping a lap time right, right at the death. It's something you can do maybe on uh, on a on a completely dry track, but when it's drying, um, it's difficult, and it's always going to be easier when you've actually built that heat over over the last the, the preceding ten minutes. So, uh, so obviously, you can know that you know you can see that definite drop in performance compared to um, the times of other people that he was qualifying around um, in Q two and in Q three. Just it completely drops off, and it, you know it's. I think you've hit the nail on the head, where it just uh, you can probably attribute it um, almost completely to the fact that he only had a couple of laps on on those softs to actually do anything with. Um, you know, considering that he's actually not that far away, um, but you you know that, that I think it's kind of almost on the team to to take responsibility for that and say, well, you know, as much as Yuki has really tried his best and he's only point four away from from Kevin Magnussen. Um, you know, obviously, he, Yuki's had to do a, a ridiculously good job to to be able to work out where you can push and where you can't on uh, on a tire that he's not really used in that in those conditions before. So, uh, I think it's a good performance by him. But yeah, it's um, just a bit uh, bad decision making to uh, to put him on that tire that late in the qualifying session and just hope that the track evolution will do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Moving into the realms of Q2 then, George Russell, at one point we would have praised him for being out in Q2. Now he was not point, I think, not six off getting into Q3. Jawad, what tell me about George Russell's qualifying session and like he was very much struggling to keep up with his teammate, wasn't he? Yeah, and it was just really confusing given how Mercedes in practice, we would have thought they would have comfortably been inside the top 10. And conditions aside, you know, George missed Saturday, would have uh, would have 
relished in these conditions, but unfortunately, no. And he had a few little off-track experiences as well when he was apologising to his team over the radio. He said he couldn't do anything. It's like, oh, do you let do you let this one slide or do you say, hang on, you're in a Mercedes, you know, you should be up there all the time. This is the, the standard that we set at, at a championship winning team like that. So he's really just made his life difficult for tomorrow in the race. So um, it's going to be very difficult. But, yeah, I reckon it's it's rare that we've seen this sort of slip up from George this year. He's been so good. He's been, you know, one of the standout drivers of the season, fighting at the front, you know, finishing top five in almost every race this season as well. He's had that consistency and then in qualifying too. Earlier this season, he was, you know, con- consistently ahead of Hamilton in qualifying. And we're like, oh, you know, this is amazing. But, you know, this this performance is kind of like, whoa, you're, you, even though you missed out on Q3 by, you know, 0.06 point of a second or whatever, you're still that far behind your teammate. That's not quite good. So um, fingers crossed for him tomorrow. He can uh, do something, redeem himself, but not, not a great day for Mr. Saturday. Certainly not. And it does look like that when he finishes, finishing in P5 uh, streak is probably going to end tomorrow. But then we also said that when I think he was qualifying P11 earlier in the season and still managed to do it. So it's Formula One. Anything can happen. And at one point, Tom Downey, it did look like Lance Stroll could even appear in Q3 um, and was going quick on his soft tyres at the end of Q2 before losing all of his time in the final sector and then ultimately spinning as well. Yeah, well, I mean, old habits die hard, don't they? Um, you know, hashtag just all things. Uh, it, it, it was a Brave and I would say inspired, but it was just a bold and brave move to go onto the softs um, or the slicks in general. The track was looking dry in the majority of places, but there were just a couple of breaking spots where people were catching themselves out, or it was just you know it, it was quite damp. And I yeah, I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was quite right. Um, I mean. I don't really know what else to say about Stroll, to be honest. Um, yeah, he was sort of just there because he was contractually obliged to be. Um, and Daddy probably brought the plane, so he probably you know, so he probably jumped on that. Um, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. You know, he had an all right quality for an Aston Martin, which is that dog of a car. Um, I mean, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll take it from there. So, um, Owain, um, a driver who is somehow, I would say, fighting for his future in Formula One, Mick Schumacher, um, a P13 qualifying is not really what he needs right now, particularly when his teammate manages to get into Q3. I kind of disagree, I'll be honest. I don't think he's fighting. I think he's pretty safe. And even if he is, uh, I think the car is It's still a good, a good finishing position for where the car is at. Um, it's maybe not as spectacular as when your teammate is uh, is obviously putting it in Q3 and he's sort of, what, four, four, five, yeah, four positions, five positions, Jesus, uh, above you. Oh, no, that's inclusive, sorry, four positions. Um, but 
I don't think I don't think he's got anything to worry about. I think there's <laughs> thankfully thanks to the length of the season, there's like what four or five races left. So um, I think it's going to be fine. And and bearing in mind, I think the Hass, I believe the Hass works a little bit better when you take the downforce off. So I think there's other chances for him to be able to to prove himself. And I think I, I don't think that decision is going to uh, has been made yet. And I don't think he's going to end up out of F1 because of it. But it it, it certainly does hurt his chances in the race tomorrow. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like a 17th place start or anything like that. And the Haas hasn't exactly been a rocket ship lately. So um, to, to my mind, it's not too bad. Um, it's it, it's not spectacular. It's about average. Um, but I think just not putting it in the wall, um, you know, is, is a big step maybe from Mick of last year, to be honest. Um, so I, I especially around a track that I don't believe he's driven yet. I don't believe he's driven it, especially not in an F1 car and especially not in these F1 cars. So, um, to a certain degree, I think it's. I think it's actually there's a there's a lot to take from this. Yeah, definitely not an NF1 car because we obviously weren't here last season when he was a Formula One rookie. But someone will have to um, tell us whether it was um, an entirely new circuit for him. Joad P14 Sebastian Vettel was looking quite promising, and then he just went off. Um, not quite what Seb was after. No, unfortunately for the five-time Singapore Grand Prix winner, it wasn't. Same thing as his teammate, really. They took the gamble on the slick tyres in Q2. First of all, they're lucky enough to get into Q2 in these conditions, the Aston Martins. Um, And then, yeah, unfortunately, the gamble did not pay their way. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be patting themselves on the back for saying, oh, you know, at least we took that risk and, you know, it could have paid off for us, but ultimately it didn't. Uh, Difficult to pass around here. So what can you expect from them? Not much really. And that's sad for for Seb in particular, like, you know, be saying for the rest of this year, if he doesn't get better results, because it's like, you know, a driver of his caliber deserves a lot more given that it's his final um, few races in F1. And given that Singapore, you know, how poignantly it's the place he won his last Grand Prix and what seems like will be his last Grand Prix win in F1 now back in 2019. Um, It's like you'd hope that he signs off at this track, which he's got, you know, such an affinity with in in better way. But um, when you're driving for... Lawrence Stroll's Aston Martin team, I don't think that's quite possible. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame that he's not driving for the um, Force India of, I can't remember what year it was, but when Paul DeResta ended up being P4 here. Um, but, you know, you can't have everything, I guess. And Sebastian Vettel on the grid is also one of those things. 2013, thinks Tom, um, was the year. But Tom, um, Joe Guan Yu, P15, he's had his um, contract extended with Alfa Romeo. And um, I'll let you take it from here. Tell me about Joe's uh, session. Uh, I didn't really notice much of him, to be honest. Um, which, again, as uh, you know, I'm going to repeat myself a bit with what I said about. Um, uh, who was I just talking about? K-Mag, um, where I said someone who needs a sort of like solid but unspectacular session, um, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just, um, 
I don't, I don't really know what to say to be honest. You know, you know Joe, Joe has had a decent season. He's just been let down by re- reliability and hydraulic issues and all of all the above. Um, you know, so it, you know, it, to, to be honest, to, to put it P fifteen in the, you know the cars obviously sort of struggling this weekend, and to to put it. Um, you know, to, to 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 put it where he's put it ahead of his teammate who got, albeit knocked down one place in, into the drop zone in Q1. He still had qualified his teammate who is experienced at the circuit, very experienced at the circuit, and experienced enough on full stop. Um, I think Joey's showing genuine promise and talent. And I also think now that he's got the contract extension under his belt, he knows what he's doing next year, and it's um, and yeah, surely perhaps giving him a bit of peace of mind. So, you know, so let's uh, you know, let's uh, let's give him the benefit, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, he, he he did all right in Monaco, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was in the points, but I think I think he did okay because uh, he had that huge snap of oversteer. I remember c- coming out the channel. I'm going to a point, I promise. So, you know, on, on the sort of limited running we've seen of him on street circuits. He's done pretty well so far. And, I mean, Singapore is probably one of the biggest tests on the calendar of the season. You know, you know just, just the intensity, the humidity, the temperature, all, all the rest of it. It's not like the European rounds. It, you know, this, this is a real physical test. And I think he's relishing it. And I, I, I'm still quite impressed with him. I just hope, you know, I just hope that he doesn't turn into one of the drivers where it's like, Oh, he's he's a nice guy, but he's just not quick enough, like we've seen with the Tifi. Um, you know, you know, where people are like, you know, he seems nice, but he just hasn't got the pace. I hope that that doesn't happen for um uh for Joe. Yeah, hopefully not. Oh, Wayne, Valtteri Bottas, as Tom mentioned, got knocked out by one place in Q1, but that's still being out in Q1. Was there anything what do you think um, Valtteri Bottas can do from there tomorrow? Like Tom said, he is quite experienced. He is, but it's really far back. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's it's so far back, and it's I mean it it doesn't look good to have been out qualified by your teammate. Um, I think yeah yeah to have been out qualified by your teammate, uh, and unless you've had an issue, and I don't think Bottas did, so. I think it's going to be a struggle. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of work from there to do anything. Um, you know, I wish him the best, but you know, he's got he's got he's got a lot of places to make to to to, to move through, and you know, he'd, he'd kind of have to hope for a like sort of a lucky safety car or something like that, maybe a third of the way into the race, so you know that he can take a cheap pit stop or something like that. But um, I don't think he's got really got much more pace. Um, than a lot of people, particularly when he's got, you know, he's got Daniel Ricciardo, who is in a McLaren, uh, who's in a McLaren, and hopefully can do something with it, and Esteban Ocon, who is almost guaranteed to to be, you know, all over the gearboxes of both of them. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's a case of uh, I don't think he's going to go forwards um, particularly easily. I think I think it's, it might it might just be one of those, you know, those really hard days. Um, driving an F1 car, which seems like a dream, um, when you're going to have to spend two hours, you know, doing not very much and, and hoping that something comes your way. Otherwise, I don't think there's, I don't think there's too much you can do. I don't think there's pace in the car to, to move forward. And, 
um, not not really enough to defend from what's coming from behind either. Yeah. Remember that point in this season where we were watching Valtteri Bottas chasing down the Mercedes? You know, like looking at how the Alfa Romeo's performed this weekend, it just, it seems completely foreign. Um, but, you know, Joad, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, P17. In FP1, he was in the top seven, I believe. Um, but, you know, it's just been a complete role reversal, really. Now we've got... Um, Lando Norris up there, and obviously we as well. Um, when Ricardo set his lap in Q1, I thought he'd been affected by the yellows caused by Stroll's spin. Turns out, no, he was ahead of it. So, just what explains, if you can even think of anything, Daniel Ricardo's lack of pace here? I think it's just it's game over for Daniel. Unfortunately. The writing's been on the wall all season with with the way he's performed, and like as I, I want to sympathise with, I want to sympathise with him. I want to be one of those people who, like you see on social media all over the times, like it's an injustice, you know. Like Daniel, he has to be on the grid, yada yada. It's like, but the uh, as much as the cars a real dog this year, and there's no performance on the. And, you know, you've had McLaren and Lando Norris come out and say, no, the car's not at all tailored to his style. Um, It's just Lando has been outperforming it all season and doing such a great job at it. You'd expect someone on the salary of Ricardo and also the caliber of him in terms of, you know, eight Grand Prix wins. He's been on the podium in Singapore four times as well, getting second three years in a row, I believe, when he was at Red Bull. Um, to be further up there. And the fact that it's just not there means, okay, well, maybe it's it's time to not, you know, continue wasting that seat, give it to someone who may potentially put in a better performance. And I'm sure I'll get, you know, criticised and blasted for not being sympathetic towards him, but I'm Aussie. I'm allowed to give him grief like that. You know, I've got such a big support for him his whole career you know going back to the hrt days yes people remember he made his debut for hispania back in 2011 um but i just can't feel it at the moment because you think you get those little glimpses practice like you said he's up in p7 and then there's a chance he might be on for a good quality in these conditions and then out in q1 and then what do you do from q1 his his races this year have been even worse than his qualities, I've got to say, where he, A, you know, gets stuck in traffic, you know, which that's not his fault. The the pit stop put him there. But then when he's in traffic, he can't really do much. You know, he's been stuck behind Haas's, he's been stuck behind Aston Martins. And, you know, you'd think at least the McLaren's got enough performance to pass. Maybe in Lando's hands it does. But in Daniel's, no. Like, he's so well-known for his awesome overtakes, you know, last of the late breakers, but it's just like, no, it's it's not going to happen. It's it's not the same driver anymore. So it is really sad. It's, you know, it's easy to say that you should just give up on, on him this season. You know, let's ride out these last few races and figure out what he's going to do next year. But um, to see him down in 17th when Norris is up in sixth and got 
uh, was one of the stars of qualifying to be up in the top 10. It's like, mm, yeah, it, it's not as bad as, you know, the next driver, Ocon, that you're going to talk about him finishing in 18th because Ricardo being down in out in Q1 and finishing outside the top 10 has, has been such a regular thing this year that it's like, it hurts, but at the same time, it's like we've we've learned to live with it and expect it from him. Yeah, you always hear about, you know, like the drivers that can always get the best out of a underperforming car. But like this season, whether that McLaren has been underperforming or not, we haven't seen that from Daniel Ricciardo. So like you say, um, and like we've also had some comments on you've got to perform to stick around. And unfortunately, he just hasn't performed this season. Um, And Tom Esteban Ocon in P18 complained of not having any brakes on his final lap. Do you think, well, I mean, we've seen that Fernando Alonso is up where he is. Um, There certainly was pace in the car today for them to be higher up. Yeah. um, I don't know if Ocon had a brake issue or a brake failure or what, but Whatever the issue was, it it won happening for him today, and he just just didn't have the pace. Um, I mean, he probably didn't have the pace because he didn't have the confidence in the brakes. Um, you know, especially especially if he's complaining on the radio saying, "I haven't got any brakes." Um, he'll probably be aiming for points. Whether that happens this weekend or not, I don't know. Because or tomorrow, rather, I don't know because. We've said it already on this podcast. Singapore is a damn hard track to overtake on, you know, to uh, to to be able to get past people, to be able to make moves. I mean, I think there are some opportunities, and hopefully, these twenty twenty two cars will aid overtaking around here. But I remain to be convinced, as you can probably tell. Um, so let's see what Ocon can do. He'll probably try and clear the likes of the Alfa Romeos quite quickly, I'd imagine. Probably try and get them out of the way. Um, get past... Uh, I mean, the TVs, obviously... Are, are both Williams behind him, aren't they? I believe, yeah. Uh, okay, so that one answers itself. Um, you know, just... Um, you know, just obviously, just make sure he gets a decent launch and tries to get... You know, just, just sort, of, sort of clear the sort of, like the sort of like lower dregs of the field quite quickly. Um, whether he can is another story. Let's see. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've got absolutely no notes on either of the Williams from today's session. I think it was just one of those ones. But obviously, Alex Albon back after being missing um, due to his appendicitis um, that needed to be operated on. Um, Owain, it's going to be a tough one for him tomorrow, isn't it? I want to point out and life-threatening complications from appendicitis, appendicitis surgery. So, if anything, uh, it just makes my it just makes Nicholas Latifi look worse. Um, I, I know a I know of a lot of. I mean, it says a lot about the fact about his resilience and stuff that he's managed to come back in and and not qualify that far off of uh, you know the, uh, of, of the rest of the people in the field. It's you know. Quite remarkable, really. Uh, I think most of the performance is down to you know it's going to be a look, there's got to be some after effect of that um, of that surgery, and then the, and then the car obviously not really suiting. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work particularly well when you wind the downforce on. Uh, it seems to be much more efficient uh, when you take it off. And uh, 
but st- it's still kind of remarkable not for him for him not to be you know at the back of the grid from that because I I'd struggle um after after all of that so uh, that's that is that is very very surprising and I think it's a testament to his you know the fitness and 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 the recovery that he's had um it's kind of amazing so so yeah um I mean it does as as much as there's the sort of jubilation of yeah that's a really good job from him there it is the fact that he's now got a hope for I don't know like something like what is it Adelaide 1996 or something like that or was it no or is it Monaco 1996 I think it's Monaco either way the one where Panis won they've got a hope for that level of uh of race for for him to be anywhere close to uh to points I think um I think the same for for Latifi behind, but yeah, it's uh it's going to be a long day as well for them. Yeah, it certainly is. And um, Joe had to mention Nicholas Latifi. Uh, he finished P twenty. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. That's but didn't think he would finish anywhere else. Uh, the only thing really to say about him is at least we got confirmation ahead of Singapore that he uh, will be parting ways with Williams for 2023. So not that that wasn't the worst kept secret in um, this year in the silly season, but, you know, <laughs> uh, goodbye to Gotifi. That's all we can say. I can't wait for him to go, Tifi, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Good anyway- one. Yeah, you've been um, on fire today. Between that and strolled as well, I think we saw that one earlier in the chat. Was that you or I said it in the chat? But it was Tom that came. Well, it was Tom that inspired it. So I'll give credit where credit's due. <laughs> I came up with it. No, um... <laughs> Rubes, that that was all yours. I appreciate that. I'm an inspiration. I mean, I know that, but that was your idea. Uh, you shouldn't put yourself downy. Um, anyway, let's uh, get onto some predictions. <laughs> Let's get on to some predictions for tomorrow. So um, I'm going to start with uh, Tom, who's going to be on the top step tomorrow. I never mind that. I predict you're going to come out with at least a dozen more shitty puns. Um, No, top step tomorrow, I think it's going to be Leclerc. Top step for Tom is Leclerc. Owen, your top step tomorrow, please. It's going to be Hamilton. (laughs) It's going to be. It's like the one chance. (laughs) It does seem like the best chance of a of a Hamilton uh, victory that we might said get that for the rest of the season. Mind. I, you know, I, but we we said that when he was actually on like driving on fire, practically. I've said it every time. <laughs> I yeah. think. It, I think it's like being the equivalent of my. Um, well, it's George. It was George's. Um, oh yeah, George Russell for points um, <laughs> in his bold predictions every race last season, but. Uh, not, yeah, last season. Um, Joad, your top step, please. Uh, to keep it different, I'll go with Perez. Yeah, uh, I'm going for Lewis as well, in case you didn't notice. Uh, Tom, the rest of your podium, please. Uh, Perez and Sainz. Uh, Owen, your uh, second and third, please. Uh, Max Verstappen and Perez. It's Max Verstappen. So no, no Ferraris, then. <laughs> It's Ferrari. Yeah, valid. Uh, Jawad, uh, your second and third, please. Uh, Hamilton and Alonso. Oh, that's still no Ferraris. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna say um, 
I've already said Lewis. I'm going to say Charles and screw it, Lando. Um, McLaren podium. Um, you never know. And a bold prediction now, please, Tom. Um, George Russell doesn't get into the points. Yeah, I was about to say I thought we said bold, but then I remembered he is actually driving in a Mercedes. Um, Owen, your bold prediction, please. Um, Ferrari to win. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got a minute. I got a minute. You predict Ferrari to win after you predict no Ferraris on the podium. I I have maintained Come that again? my bold predictions and my predictions never have to be like they never have to co- coexist. It's one or the other. Evidently. <laughs> I think that is kind of the rule, to be fair. Is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, no. The rule is that, like, your bold prediction is just a oh, separate Stafford, prediction. Stafford, then Williams won too. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, Jared, your bold prediction, please. Um, well, quarter of the grid will not see the checkered flag. So five cars out. Actually, can I change mine for, for reels? Um, yes. What, so it's not so it's not completely ludicrous. Well, well, no, because I said the Williams won in jest ish. Um, no, instead of saying George Russell won't get points, we don't get a safety car because we've, had one, we've, we've had, had one in every year, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this I remember is the, a year we didn't, I remember two years we didn't. We've had every, we've had one every year that Singapore has had Formula One action, yeah. I've just muted Owen as well, just to be sure. Yeah, um, I'm going to go, we don't hit the two-hour mark because it happens so often here in Singapore that this race gets timed out um, and that obviously we've got somewhat slower cars this year and I think the last time we were here, we still hit that two-hour mark. If not, mm. we were pushing it. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Um, so on that note, let's give people an opportunity to get some promotion in now. I completely messed up in the intro. Tom Downey, you are not everything F1 anymore, are you? Uh, no. Want to follow that up? <laughs> yeah, so um, so my, my main focus at the moment is F1 Chronicle, um, where I co-host alongside Rubes. Um, yeah, in case you didn't know. Um, Owain, uh, also Louis, the same person. Um and Tom, George, all, all the others. Uh, I'm also going to be doing some article writing for the website as well. I haven't put anything out yet, um, but uh, that I've drafted a few, which I'll be putting up over the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Um, I don't know, Twitter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do a lot rec- recently. It's, it's, uh, apparently this whole PhD thing is really hard. <laughs> I don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> I know, unfortunately, I don't do articles uh, very uh, at this point. <laughs> oh, what's my app? I don't remember actually at this point. Um, hold on, give me a second. I'll check my Twitter. I think it's at Wayne Medford. To be it might honest. well be. I think the professional one actually is because you know what? Yeah, it is it has a it is at Wayne Medford. That's at O-W-A-I-N-M-E-D-F-O-R-D um, because my name's awful for Starbucks but brilliant for usernames. 
Exactly. Uh, Joe adds, you're from the Hit the Apex podcast. Where can people find it? And why should they go and look for it? You don't have to go and look for it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but if you feel like it, it's uh, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the good um, podcast platforms. <laughs> Just being sarcastic. Um, and the Twitter handle for that is at Hit the Apex Media. There's also a link tree as well, so you can go to the Raw, which is the website I write for and do live blogs for all the F1 races. So, yeah, check it out. I haven't done a podcast in a few weeks now, be in between the break between Monza and Singapore. So you should see me back this week to wrap up Singapore and also the Bathurst 1000 in V8 Supercar Land coming up as well next week. So that'll be good. Yeah, and if any of this strange end to this week's episode um has convinced you that you'd want to like see more from me um i am mostly just on here but if you want to find me on the socials it's at rubes r-u-u-b-e-z zero zero one if you're on instagram um but on that note grid talk is available on youtube where most episodes are recorded live we'll also be doing a little bit of a post show so get some questions in the chat if that's something you want to do um, as well as also we're available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. Just search for Omni Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. You can also get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And also make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back tomorrow with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.